Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Well, today is our final week in our uh, At the Table series, and uh, it's been a, I think it's been a fantastic uh, five, uh, five or so weeks as we've just got to sit together as a community and as a family around, uh, around the table. I wonder for you, as you think about the table, I wonder uh, what's your favourite meal to cook? I don't know if we've spoken about this yet. What's your favourite meal to cook? Or maybe what's your favourite meal uh, to eat? When you think about, uh, when you get to sit down at the table... What is it that you want to cook or what is it that you want to eat? Now, because I've got the microphone, I get to share mine. And so for me, I, uh, I love to cook and I actually rate my butter chicken. Um, that's my thing. If I can, uh, any chance I get, I'll cook up a nice butter chicken. I'm happy for any competitions with anybody uh, out there if you want to have a butter chicken cook-off. Uh, the spices I think I put in there are amazing, and I do it all without cream, uh, and so it's a healthier version as well, and so I love to sit down and have a nice uh, butter chicken. Uh, the other thing I love to cook, if there's bigger kind of groups, uh, I love to cook up a paella. Uh, I don't know who likes, anyone like paella? There's a, there's a few, oh, not as many as I, I thought, okay. So I like to cook up a big paella, I've got a big pan, and the wonderful thing with a paella, and if anyone's Spanish here, you can let me know, it is paella, not paella, uh, the L's are silent, just so, just so you know, and if I'm wrong on that, come and correct me on it later. Uh, but I love a chicken and chorizo uh, paella. And one of the things I love about the pay is you don't, um, you don't dish it out for people and put it on the table. Everyone kind of comes to the one bowl and they bring their plate and they serve out of the one bowl. And so I just love that idea that everyone, a real sense of community, that everyone comes and they take out of the same, out of the same bowl. So pre-COVID, but it's wonderful. The other, uh, the other thing, that probably my favourite meal though, that I love to sit down and eat, and it warms my heart, is a good steak. Hey? Anyone love a good steak with some mashed potatoes and maybe a few chives on the top and some beans with a little bit of lemon, maybe put a bit of almond on them and not too cooked. The beans can't be overcooked. They've just got to be a little bit of crunch. And the steak, as everybody knows, must be cooked medium rare. Okay, none of this, uh, there's no other way of cooking steak. If you cook it another way, we say the table is open, but there is a back door there, and uh, you, can, uh, you can head out. But there's nothing like those three meals. When I come to those three meals at any time, I just feel like heaven has come on earth in those moments. It's just the, oh, I don't know about you, and maybe you're hungry now, and you're actually thinking, Dan, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go and uh, cook up some food for myself. Uh, or maybe you're not such a great cook, and maybe you, rather than you preparing food for the table, 
Uh, you actually prefer uh, to go to somebody's house because you've got that one friend or that one family uh, member who you know that if you get an invitation from them, if you get a text or a call from them on Thursday and say, hey, do you want to come around tomorrow night for dinner? You drop everything you have so that you can be there because you know that the food you're going to get, the wine you're going to get, the dessert you're going to get, the conversations you're going to get is just going to be out of this world. And again, it's just one of those spiritual moments when we come to the table, we get to experience real community with others. You see, when we come to the table, this is the, this is the thing, we come to be fed. We come to be nourished. We come to the table to be fed. And we come to the table to be nourished. And over the last six weeks, we've spoken about this idea that the kingdom of God is like a table. And there's an appropriate way in which we think about and we speak of the, of the kingdom of God as a table that is welcome for people, where we can all make room uh, for people, where we all get a chance to show hospitality to one another. We all contribute our gifts. It's a table where uh, it represents the, the kingdom of God. And I love all throughout the scriptures and all throughout the life of Jesus, they speak of the kingdom of God like a feast or like a, a banquet or uh, like a party or like a wedding. Have a look at this passage uh, here in, in Luke chapter 4, 15. It says, Blessed is the, the man or the person who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God is described as a, as a feast. A lot of what Jesus did and how he did ministry, he did it around a table and he spoke of the kingdom of God as a feast. But probably my favourite passage when we look at the kingdom of God and how it's described as a feast or as a party, I love this, is this one here from Isaiah 25. It says this, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. It's for all peoples, a banquet of aged wines, the best of meats and the finest of wines. The kingdom of God, we need to see, is like a, a, a table, it's a, it's a banquet, it's a feast, it's something that we get to come and enjoy. I wonder, if you were asked to describe the kingdom of God, if someone asked you, Dan, I've heard about this kingdom of God thing, what is it? How would you describe it? One way that you could do it is to describe it as a party, to describe it as a feast, to describe it as a place where we come, where everyone comes and they get to enjoy a banquet of aged wines, the best of meats and the finest of wines. You could describe it in that way. There's nothing better than coming and sitting down at the table. One of the, this, by the way, this is our table from home. <laughs> so the last five weeks, we haven't, uh, we, we haven't sat on it, but we don't normally anyway. Uh, we normally just sit around a little island bench. So anyway, tomorrow we'll pack this up and, and we'll take it home. But one of the things we're thinking about with this table is some new chairs. We want to get some new chairs because uh, the chairs that we've got aren't very comfy. We don't kind of stay around the table very long and because we want comfortable chairs so we can sit around the table. But here's the thing with the kingdom of God. While it is inviting, while it is something that is compelling, we're not meant to just sit and eat at the kingdom of God or at the table. We're nourished and we're fed at the kingdom, but we're not meant to just sit there. You see, we've all actually been called to stand up from the table. We've called to be stand up from the table so that we can be sent out 
on mission. You see, the kingdom of God is a place where we come and we are nourished, we are fed. But we're never meant to just stay there and live as happy, fat Christians celebrating all the finest of food, meats and wines. We are called to get up from the table. We're nourished so that we can be sent out on mission, that we can be sent out and to be part of all that God is doing in the world. And this is important for us. God has called us, and the kingdom of God is about being nourished and sent. Nourished and sent. Nourished and sent. That is God's pattern. That is the way that God has created us. That is the way that God has designed us. That is God's purpose for us. Now, any time we start to talk about mission or evangelism or being sent, I'm very conscious of, of one thing, and that is that it's very important that we remember what Sri Lankan evangelist D.T. Niles speaks of when he talks about being sent uh, with the gospel. And he says this, he says, sharing the gospel is really just one beggar telling another where to find food. Sharing the gospel is really just one beggar telling another where to find food. I think this is helpful for us. I think this is important for us to know because it takes away any sense of entitlement that we have to the table, any sense that we are better than anybody else or that we know more. It's that sense that we all come to the table because of the work of Jesus. Nothing that we can do, nothing that we have done, none of your accomplishments, none of your achievements, none of the things that you have accumulated matter when we come to the table. We are all welcome at the table because of who Jesus is. We are just those, if you're a follower of Jesus, we are just those who know where the bread is. We are just those who have tasted of the living water. And this is an important posture for us to have. You see, here's the truth. None of us earned our way to the table. And as Eugene Peterson uh, says, and I love this, we woke to a world today that we didn't create and to a salvation that we didn't earn. You didn't hold this world together last night. You were probably sleeping. You, most likely you were sleeping. You were probably concerned about a whole range of things. But we woke to a world that we didn't create. We also woke to a salvation that we haven't earned, but one that has been made a way for us because of Jesus. And so let us remember that as followers of Jesus, we are those who have experienced and who have tasted of the bread of life, the source of life, but we are still those who continually need to place ourselves before him as beggars, recognising that we come with nothing, but that he gives us everything that we need. And so today I want to look, in a little bit of time we have remaining, I want to look at this idea of what it looks like to be nourished and sent further. So if you have your Bibles or you have your, your devices, turn to Luke, and uh, we'll be flicking through a few passages in the book of Luke. But just a reminder of where we've been over the last five weeks. Mike Mills kicked us off with the idea that everyone is welcome at God's table, whosoever may come. We're all welcome at God's table. The second week I shared with us from the, about the little boy who offered up what he had in his hands. And I said that when we come to the table, we come and we each have something to contribute, 
contribute. We all have a seat. We'll have a seat at God's table and we have something that we bring. And I ask the question, what is in our hands? What is it that we are bringing for God to use? The third week, Mickey reminded us of the importance of making room at the table. How do we make room for people to eat with us? Last week, um, Liam reminded us about the importance of hospitality and that hospitality is a picture of love. And so how is it that we can show hospitality to those who will not and may not even be able to repay us? And he spoke about the difference between hospitality and entertainment. And it was wonderful. And so today we're looking at this idea of being nourished and sent. And what I want us to see first of all today is that Jesus was someone who was nourished and sent. Jesus himself was nourished and sent. He was sent from heaven to earth so that he could see heaven come on earth. That was his purpose. That was why he came. Have a look at this in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord, this is Jesus in the synagogue in Nazareth. He stands up, he opens a scroll to Isaiah and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has what? He has sent me, well done, to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus was sent. He knew his purpose. His purpose was to come and to reconcile, to remake, renew and restore this world and unite all of us to our Father. But we see that for Jesus, he too had a regular rhythm of getting away and retreating with his Father. So he knew that he was sent, but he knew that if he was going to fulfill his assignment and all that God had called him to, he needed to regularly retreat and spend time with his Father, to be fed and nourished by his Father. You see, Jesus' oneness with the Father gave him both a clear sense of calling affirmation about who he is and his identity, direction and the Spirit's power to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Everything Jesus did and said originated from his intimate relationship with his Father. Jesus, we're told in John, did nothing that he didn't see his Father doing. Take a look at Luke 5.16. You can flick through there. We read this. Again, this is the rhythm of Jesus. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And then in Luke chapter 6, we read this. One of those days, this is as Jesus is thinking about who is, it that, who is he going to gather around, who is the disciples who he's going to gather around. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Jesus had a big decision to make around who were the disciples or who was his team going to be. He goes away, he retreats with the Father and he prays that God would give him the wisdom and the direction and the leading. Jesus was nourished by his Father through times of Sabbath, silence, solitude and prayer. Jesus would sit at the table with his Father and be nourished in those ways. Secondly, we see that Jesus' team, the disciples, they too were nourished and sent. As Jesus lived in intimate relationship with the Father, so he taught his disciples that they needed to be intimately connected with him. The disciples were nourished by time spent with Jesus and then they too were sent out to be part of renewing, restoring and remaking the world. Have a look in Mark chapter 3. 
It says this, Jesus went up to a mountainside. This is the kind of a parallel passage to the one we just saw in, in Luke 6. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might what? That they might be with him, with him, nourished with him. And that he might what? Send them out, nourished and sent that they might, he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Jesus was nourished in his time with his Father so that he could fulfill his mission. Jesus encouraged his disciples to be with him and, that they, and then would send them out on mission to preach and to heal. And we also see that this was the practice and the rhythm for the early church and the disciples too. Have a look at Acts 1, 3 to 8. We read this. After Jesus' sufferings, after the cross event where he died and rose again, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God with them. So for 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus is spending time with his disciples in the early church, nourishing them around the table, teaching them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, while he was reclining with them, are we getting the picture that Jesus does a lot of eating with people, a lot of reclining with people, a lot of nourishing people? He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples and the early church spent time being nourished by Jesus and the kingdom of God and hearing about the kingdom of God. They were told to wait for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And then they were told that they are going to be sent to the ends of the earth and that they will be the witnesses from the ends of the earth, from Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit comes and the disciples and the early church are empowered and propelled into mission. And here's the thing. This is the same for you and I today. You and I, we have been called to be nourished by God, to be nourished by our Father and to be sent on mission. Nourished by God, to sit at the table, to enjoy the beauty of the kingdom of God, but not just to stay there, but to get up from the table, to go out, to join God's work of renewal and remaking and reconciling of this world, to join him and to invite other people that they too can taste and see that God is 
This is our calling as well. We are nourished by God at the table to be sent on mission with him. We grow deeper in intimacy with God so that he can take us wider on mission. And we draw closer to God so he can take us further. So I guess today I've simply got two questions for you. Two questions for all of us. And if you've been around church for any length of time, these questions won't be new for you necessarily. You would have heard them either in the way that I'm going to talk about them or you would have heard them in another form. But here's the thing that I'm completely convinced about. If we take these questions seriously and if we actually engage with them and we actually wrestle with them and we actually do what God is telling us to do and we follow the Spirit's prompting, these questions can change your life. These questions can change our life, our collective life as a church. These questions, if we, if we engage with them well, we take them serious and we action them, can see transformation in our world. And so what's the first question? Well, first up, it's this one here. How are you nourished by God? How are you nourished by God? What does life at the table with God look like for you? What does that look like for you? How are you being fueled by God? You know, when you sit down and have a good steak or you have a good chicken curry, you kind of feel fueled for whatever it is ahead for you. You know how some people get hangry because they haven't eaten? We need to spend time with God so those things don't, don't come out, but we can respond well. You know, sometimes a meal with some good friends during the week nourish us for the week to come. How are you being nourished? by God for the coming week? Is it scripture, Sabbath, solitude? Is it time in nature? Is that what nourishes your heart and your soul? Is it worship music? Is it detoxing from screens? What is it for you? How are you being nourished by God? And here's the thing. I'm not looking for, you know, I'm not asking you to tell me what this is. So I'm wanting you to be honest with God. I'm wanting this question to be like a mirror moment for you, where you can hold a mirror up and actually answer this question seriously, wrestle with it, and then hear the Spirit's prompting in terms of what is next for you. Because you can know all the right answers about how it is that you are nourished with God. But, there's to- but unless you're actually living it, unless you're actually sitting down with him and doing it, all the right answers in the world aren't going to see that you will be nourished by God. You see, and let me just, I'm, trying, I'm pushing this point hard because I want to show you something in John chapter, three, uh, John chapter 4, verses 34. This is a little story, this is a little passage that comes after the story of the Samaritan woman. And uh, we'll see how we go with time. We're probably not going to have enough time to talk about this later on. But I want to look at this little piece here because this is important. So Jesus is on his way to Galilee. And uh, the, the, the disciples head off to another town to get some food. Jesus meets a Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman uh, encounters Jesus and thinks that he uh, is, a, is a prophet. Uh, but then Jesus, for the first time in his public ministry, he reveals that he's actually the Messiah to her. She goes back to her town and tells them, uh, could this man be the Messiah? The disciples come back with some food and they see Jesus talking with the Samaritan woman. And uh, they say, Jesus, would you like some food? This is a little bit of a paraphrase. Would you like some food? And he says this. He says, my nourishment comes from doing 
the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. My food or my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. This verse teaches us something important. That is that we are nourished by God through study, through scripture, through solitude, through silence, through Sabbath, and our time alone and our worship with God. But this verse teaches us that there is a nourishment that comes exclusively through obedience. Jesus says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God and from finishing his work. Church, there is a nourishment that comes exclusively through obedience to the will of God and finishing his work. You see, it is actually possible that you are not experiencing nourishment from God, not because you aren't spending time with him, but because you aren't doing you aren't following through on the promptings that he is calling you to do. You are hearing his voice, but for whatever reason, you're not actioning and living out what he's calling you to do. You are maybe what we could say, Scripture calls a hearer of the word, not a doer of the word. We aren't being obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You see, nourishment comes as we do the work of God and as we go and as we are sent out on mission with him. You see, it's when we step up from the table and we step out on an adventure of faith with God, saying yes to him, that we find ourselves nourished by him. So I wonder today, how is it that you are nourished by God? Could it be possible for you today that you aren't experiencing the nourishment from God because you are not doing what it is that he's calling you to do? The second question for us today is this. What would you describe as your sending places? What would you describe as your sending places? places. In your age and stage of life right now, where is God sending you? Where is God sending you? Who are the people that God is sending you to? Where are the places that God is sending you? Now, of course, it's going to be different for each and every one of us, okay? Because God has uniquely shaped each of us differently and has placed us in different spheres of influence. But let me ask, is it your home? Is it your family? Is it your street? Is it your kids' sporting club? Is it your school? Maybe it's your uni or your workplace. Where is God sending you on mission right now? Can you answer that, Can you answer that question? Where has God placed you? Where is your sending places? Where are the places or the people that God is sending you up from the table and into the lives of well, with the story of the Samaritan woman, just really briefly, I want to have a look at uh, what she did. And in verse 28, we see that she knew where her sending place was. She encountered God, encountered Jesus, nourished by him, and she goes immediately back. You see, one of the things that Jesus believes in when it comes to mission is rapid mobilization. He believes that one, when people come to faith that they go and that they share their faith. It's just as simple, it's as simple as that. Often and where I'm most challenged is that we tend to think of um, people coming to God in additional moments like one plus one and two people. The way the scriptures talk about it and the way that Jesus talks about it is rapid mobilisation. It's, it's, it's multiplication. 
No, Jesus added to their day, to, to them thousands on that day. We, we need to kind of change some of our mindset on this. But anyway, the, the Samaritan woman, then leaving her water jar, she's gone to get water in the heat of the day because she's too afraid of the, of the ridicule and the, uh, the sneering of other people. In the heat of the day, she's gone, she's met and had encounter with Jesus so much so, so that she leaves what she went to do and her water jar's there. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, she sent back, she knew where her sending place was, it was the town of Sychar, she goes back and she says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. This Samaritan woman became the first evangelist to the Samaritans. Even before the disciples got to Samaria and that the, and other places around, the Samaritan woman was there. And I love this because then Jesus goes on to say the most important part of this whole passage. This is the crux, this is the centrepiece of this whole story, finds its, finds its place in here. And I love it because it's kind of like Jesus himself got excited by the way that this Samaritan woman responded to his news. I love that, like, this is the first time that Jesus revealed himself as the, as the Messiah. And it's like he himself got excited. And this is what he says, have a look. Uh, the next, the next, next, next verse there, he says this. This is to the disciples. He says, You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say to you, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. See, it's like Jesus saw the response and the reaction of this Samaritan woman and knew that now was his time. Now was the time. Their fields are ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit of the harvest is what it is people who are brought to eternal life. Church, here's the deal. There is actually a spiritual hunger which people out in our community, in our world, have a spiritual hunger. We may not, we might at times face up against them the pushback and the opposition to it, but it's important that we can see with the eyes of Jesus and that we can see that there is a spiritual hunger and a thirst that people have for the gospel and the good news. All of us have been designed and created with eternity, to know eternity in our heart. It's there. People just have to discover it, have their eyes open to it. Will we be people? Will we be a church who is nourished at the table but awakens, wakes up, looks around and can see that the fields are actually already ripe for harvest. Will that be true for us as a church? See, what do you see? See, the reality is that God is at work in this world around us. He is at work in your family. He's at work in your workplace, in our communities, in our schools, in our unis. If only we would look around and see with the eyes of Jesus that the fields are ripe for harvest and are waiting to be gathered. I wonder this, do you recognise the moments in your life when God, where God is at work? Do you recognise them? Can you see where God is at work? See, if there's one thing our world needs right now, it is for disciples of Jesus, for you and I, to be able to recognise where he is at work, to be able to lift up our eyes and to see that the harvest is actually ripe. Now, we're not in a different part of the story here. 
This, was, this is the time after Jesus' resurrection, before he comes back again. Last time I checked, we're still in that same time. We're still in the same part of the story, after Jesus' resurrection and before uh, he comes back again. This is what we are to, this is what we are to see. I love it. In every moment and in every situation, culture, home, workplace, university or school, I want us to know that the harvest is ripe for the kingdom of God to grow and that we would be able to hear the Spirit's prompting, that we would be able to look around and see with the eyes of Jesus that the kingdom of God is ripe and ready and you and I get to play a part in gathering up people gathering up others to be able to sit at the table, to be able to enjoy the, the beauty of the kingdom of God and then to be able to be part of joining him on mission as well. Now here's the deal, it will involve us changing, some of us changing the way we see ourselves and changing the way we see our world because I'm conscious of, of one thing and that is that for some of us we actually don't feel that mission, evangelism and being sent is actually our strong suit. We kind of have doubts, you know, Dan, I can't really talk about Jesus, I'm not an evangelist, I can't really uh, do that. But I want to encourage us with one thing today, and that is simply this, never say never. Never say never. If you don't feel like you're an evangelist, if you don't feel like you can put Jesus forward or you can talk about him, never say never. Can we try something different? Can we try instead to say something like, God is not finished with me yet? Can we say that? Can we make a as a church commit to that? At least to say, God is not finished with me yet. And learn and discover and grow in ways that we can live as a sent people. Because the harvest is ripe for the kingdom of God to grow. Would you stand with me? And what I want to do just for this next 10 or so minutes that we have remaining is I want to have a time and I want to pray for us. In a moment, we're going to sing a song that just talks about the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit coming and blowing like a fresh wind among us. And that's my prayer for us. I pray that we'd get a touch of the Spirit of God in this, in this next 10 minutes, that he would stir us, that he would nourish our souls because there might be people here who you aren't feeling nourished and you just need a special touch of the Spirit of God. You need a, a fresh touch. You need a fresh wind of the Spirit to blow in your heart, to blow out maybe some of the cobwebs that maybe have developed. And you need to be reminded anew and afresh that at the table is the most of the banquet of aged wines and the, the choicest of meats in the presence of God. And maybe for others of you, you're here today and you are one of those ones to say, never say never. And you've gone, no, I'm not an evangelist. I, don't, I can't share my faith. I don't have it in me. I want to pray that just now you might be able to say something different. And you might be able to say, God is not finished with me yet. And that you can know that you are someone who is a sent person and sent out on mission. And so we're going to sing just a couple of songs. We're going to welcome the Spirit of God. But I wonder now, would you just join me in prayer? And maybe to do this, you might want to put your hands just out in front of you, just in a way of saying, Lord, I want to be nourished by you today. And so, Spirit of God, we welcome you into this place. 
we do pray that you would come like a fresh wind among us. Blow among us, Lord. I pray that you would revive hearts, that you would revive souls, that you would nourish us today. Lord, there is nothing more that we need is than to be with you and to experience your nourishment, to experience you feeding us, Lord, I pray. Lord, blow away anything dry, any of the cobwebs within us. Revive us, renew us, restore us, Lord, I pray. Stir within our hearts. Lord, for people here who today are feeling dry, who are feeling... Oh, they just need a touch from you, Lord, right now. Just touch their heart. Touch their spirit. Revive them. And Lord, for those of us who are here today, but we don't feel that uh, we can go out on mission, we're not sure maybe where our sending place actually is, if we're honest. But we just stop right for a moment and we just say, Lord, speak. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each and every single one of us about where it is that you are sending us. Where are you taking us up from the table to go to? Who are the lives of the people that you are already at work in? Lord, remind us that we don't, we don't stir up people coming to faith. Your spirit is already at work. And maybe like Jesus, may we get excited because we see where you're at work. We see the response and the reactions of people. And so, Lord, show us your sending places. Where do, you, where do you have for us? Where are you calling us to go? Let's come and worship now. And as we sing this, let's lift our hearts and our voices and say, Lord, we, wanna, we want more of you, Spirit of God. Breathe on us. Fire of God, fall within us and send us out. We want more of your power, more of the presence. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through the Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.